0: He's sitting there and he says, put them in battle formation. And he calls out to God. He says, God, whether a man has plenty or he has no one, whether God, whether our army is great or we have nothing, you can be victorious. You can can be victorious. And I love how he says this. We, we so often read over the words and miss the context of the words. We read past the words so quickly that we fail to notice what he's actually saying. Listen to this. And Asa, verse 11, cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. It is nothing for you to help with, whether with many or with those who have no power. Now help us. O oh Lord our God, for we rest on you. I, I don't want to be a man that gets to heaven one day and God said, you did a real good job doing it yourself. You accomplished a lot because you worked so hard. You accomplished a lot because you got through life and you did all that work. You built a college ministry. You saw 2,000 people get saved in a little over two years. You saw all those things. You did a really good job working hard, Scott. I pray that's not what he says about me. I pray he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because I don't want to accomplish what I can accomplish. I want to be a part of what he's going to accomplish. I want to be a part of his church. I don't want to build my church. Spend all my time building my ministry. What have I accomplished? I want to be about my father's work, doing my father's business. And then when I get to heaven, he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I think we're going to find when we get to heaven that God was looking at some of the things that we weren't and wasn't looking at some of the things we were. See, we look at numbers and think success, but God doesn't look at it that way. If so, David would have been passed over for promotion. And Asa says, Oh, Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against us. Oh, wait, whoa. Do not let man prevail against you. What if we take on this type of mentality with God? What if we put such determination... And that God is working on our behalf in all things? That victory and success is ours before we've ever shown up? What if we put that kind of emphasis on God? Not God, you could, you would, you might, you should, you possibly may. But God, we put our rest on you. I am finding as after I've been in ministry now for going on 15 years, that the more I rest in him, the more I succeed in life. The more I rest in him. See, I used to try to grind it out. I used to try to, try to work it out. I used to try to make it happen. I was going to do this thing. I was going to make it work. I was going to make it. Uh, uh. And all along the time, God was saying, just let me begin to do it with you. All I had to do was show up and let God. I want to see us become the kind of people that have that kind of emphasis on God. Because verse 12 says it like this. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people were with him, pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover For they were broken before the Lord and His army. There's something that happens when we put our faith in God. We stop worrying about the problem. We stop worrying about the debt. We stop worrying about the sickness. We stop worrying about the problem. We stop worrying about the boss that we do not like. We stop worrying about the failure. We stop worrying about the divorce. We stop worrying about the marriage. We stop doing the things that we've been trying to do all our life and start resting on God. I can't understand why God works like this. It doesn't make sense to my little mind, but I found that God doesn't care what my little mind figures out. He has a better plan. He has a better way of doing things. And all that Asa did was show up in that moment and the greatest victory of the kingdom happened in that time. It wasn't even David that did it wasn't Solomon. It wasn't any of those guys. It was this little King Asa that nobody hardly knows about. But in that moment when he said, God, I'm going to put my rest in you. I believe in prayer. I believe we should pray more often. I, I try to, to start my day with prayer. I believe prayer should be the staple of every Christian. I believe the reading the Bible should be the staple of absolutely every Christian. And I believe that when you begin to pray and you begin to read your Bible, you begin to find yourself in a position to move forward. You begin to find your posi- yourself in a position of authority. But we so often turn it from prayer to pleading. We turn it from prayer to begging. We turn it from prayer to complaining. We, we, don't, we don't go to God with, with, in prayer. We go to him with, with begging and pleading God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. King Asa found himself in that kind of situation. See, so often we find that our situations and our circumstances become so difficult that we stop looking out and we start looking down. I got a son. Uh, I have my own. Uh, Asher was born right before Silas and Trey. And um, I, uh, I feel like we led the way and we're the most anointed. And uh, my son, the other day, we were uh, a few months ago back at Christmas time, we were actually leaving Texas. We were driving home back to Louisiana. And uh, and, and his uh, grandfather had given him and his sister new bicycles. Given him and his sister new bicycles, and, and we, we, they were right in the back. They were so excited about these brand new bicycles because now they were bigger and they were stronger and they were faster, and, and Riley's little training wheels, there weren't training wheels on the new big faster bike, and he's talking to her about how to learn to ride a bicycle. And I'm listening to this conversation, and it sparks the interest in my heart because I'm like, man, my, my eight-year-old son is going to teach my seven-year-old daughter how to ride a bicycle. This has got to be good. And he says, he says this statement. He goes, Riley, here is the key to learning to ride a bicycle without training wheels. Here is the key to learning to ride. I'm all excited. I'm like, man, this better be good, son. He goes, he goes don't look down at your feet. You trust your feet. That they'll get you where you're going. Keep looking where you're going so you don't become distracted where you're at. Woo! I was like, son, I'm stealing that this week. That's going, I don't know where I'm going to use it, but I'm going to put it somewhere. My goodness, this boy's going to be a preacher and he's only nine years old. I was like, come on. What if we stopped getting confused by what was going on around us, and started looking at where God was taking us, there is nothing that we can't accomplish with God. See, King Asa said, you know what, we're going out into battle formation because regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, I know my God is for me and not against me. Therefore, there is nothing my God cannot do. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. Three weeks ago, uh, we were, uh, I'm the college pastor, I know I forgot to tell you all that, I'm the college pastor at my church, and, um, and uh, we were in the process of launching. Every, every year we have to relaunch in August. And, and we launched last year with five people in August, and by the end of the semester we had grown to to, to 50 people, 50 college students showing up for a worship service. It was fantastic. We were having salvations. I mean, it was awesome. And so we decided we needed to bump up from the room that held 60 people to the room that held 100 people. Not a problem. We were almost there, so the next semester we bumped up to the bigger room because we have to request it an entire semester in advance. And so we bumped up to the bigger room. And by the end of the semester, we were running almost 80 college kids. We had homosexuals coming in and getting saved. We had, we had drug addicts coming in and getting saved. I wasn't, we weren't attracting any Christians. In fact, I was like, keep the Christians out of the way. I got people to win to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Well, then come July. And that moment that happens when my pastor's saying, Scott, we got go to go for the theater. So there wasn't a room to go from 100 to 150. He says, Scott, we got to go for the theater. I believe in my heart we're going to be able to fill it up. I said, Pastor, hold on a second. That's 250 people, sir. I said, Pastor, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, what if, what if we lose? What if, what if, what if, what if all these problems begin to encompass my mind? And I'm praying one day, and God says, Are you going to get out of the way? Or are you going to get in the way? I was like, Jesus, you ain't got to be so rude. You know what I'm saying? Doing my best. Come on. I'm trying to make it work. I don't know what's going to happen this semester. But God said, go for the big room. So we requested a big room. We got the big room. Now we're going to do our best to fill up the big room and watch people get saved. See, sometimes you just got to get out of the way. You're in the way because you're called to be there. But you just got to rest and watch what God can do. We've been in the, we have just did this series called Circle Maker. It was a small group we did, and it was, it was really great. I, I encourage you if, you, if you, if you're having some troubles in your life, I would recommend reading that book. It really helped me understand and, and come back to my roots in prayer and grounding. And, and we did this series, and, and, and about three weeks into this series, we get a phone call one day that, that a guy named Chad Scribner, he was been going to our church. He'd gotten saved. Things were going well. He was about to get married. I mean, it was awesome. He was riding his bicycle, our uh, motorcycle, one morning, and a truck pulls out in front of him at seventy miles an hour, and he hits this he hits this uh, this truck, skidding across the highway. Uh, 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 they get into the hospital, and within uh, twenty four hours, they say, "Listen, there's no hope for this guy." They've called in the family. They've called in us. They, we're, we're going up there praying. They said, listen, his spinal cord is bleeding. It's, it's at the point where it connects to the brain. There's so much blood loss that, that it's, it's all mangled. There's nothing we can do. If, if, if he lives, if he lives, they kept saying, if he lives, he'll basically be a, a vegetable the rest of his life. And we didn't know what else to do but do the one thing that we knew to do, and that was to go to God. So my pastor and I and some other people, we got together one afternoon and said, you know what? Let's pray. And the prayer went like this. I, I'm not exaggerating. It was not an hour-long prayer. We didn't fast. We didn't call out to God for three hours. We got together, and, and the prayer went like this. Father, you are still a healing God. You know what? We're thankful for the report, but the report isn't good enough. So, God, we are calling for the presence of Almighty God into that room, and we're believing God for a miracle beyond understanding for this young man. That was 19 days ago. Four days ago, they had released him from the hospital and sent him to a recovery unit because he had made such progress. He wasn't just awake, he was up walking and talking and flirting with his fiance. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you just got to get out of the way and trust God. I can't explain why things happen. I can't explain why you start, almost got a divorce. I can't explain why problems arose up in your marriage or arose up in your finances. I can't explain all of that, but what I can explain is that God is working on your behalf. See, we don't, we don't praise for our tribulations and our troubles. We praise despite our tribulations, and our troubles. See, so often we begin to praise God for the trouble that's happening and wonder why it's staying. And all the time, God is saying, just praise me despite it and watch what I'm going to do. And here is Asa and this massive victory. It was all because he said, God, we are going to put our rest on you. See, tonight I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know some of the problems you've dealt with. I can't can't give you all the answers. Maybe you're like me and my wife and at one point so despised each other, so hated each other that we were ready for divorce. I had left the ministry. I was done. I would given up. But one touch of God and it all started coming back. I can't explain it when, when, when my daughter was laying on that hospital bed and the doctors had come and said she's a diabetic at two years old. She'll have insulin the rest of her life. And Crystal and I laid hands on her desperate for a move of God and spoke life over her little lifeless body in that hospital right down the road in McKinney, at the hospital of McKinney. And God showed up and within one hour she was up playing and th- the doctor said we don't understand and two days later released us with a clean bill of health. I don't understand how some of those things happen. I, don't, I can't, can't put my hand on it and say this is how God works in all occasions, but I know that he continues to do great and mighty things. Yeah. But see, I don't know where you're at either. But if God can deliver a man from a flood like Noah, God can deliver you from your, from your mountain of debt. Yeah. If God can, can take a man like Like uh, uh, David, when when everything is turned against him and deliver him from the giant, from the bear, from the lion, and from his king, God can deliver you. God can reach down into a cold, dark pit and close the mouths of lions. When Daniel gets thrown in for believing God and daring to pray, God can deliver you. If God can take Samson, broken, busted, and blind, pulled out from in front of his mockers, and put into a place of submission, and yet by the power of Almighty God, bring forth a mighty victory that day, God can deliver you. God can take a loud-mouthed Peter and turn him into the apostle of the Jewish church. God can use you despite what you've done. God can take Saul after holding on to the jackets of those stoners of Stephen and turn him into the apostle that we call the greatest apostle of all. God can still yeah. use you. God can take hopelessness and replace it with joy. He can take sickness and, and replace it with health. Yeah. See, God can, God can take uh, the loss and give them the way. There's nothing that God cannot do for you. See, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in that position right now where you've had peace all along the way. Everything seems quiet. Everything seems good. But don't sit still. Make sure you're putting yourself in a position to continue to move forward with God. So that when the enemies come against you on your left and your right, you're not consumed with the enemies because you're still focused on where God has taken you. He can turn water into wine, cause a fish to bring forth an offering. God can do something with you. If he can send forth his son into the depths of the earth and call him out and place that same spirit inside of you, there is nothing you can't do with God on your side. I don't know what you're going through today. The truth is it does not matter because my God is a great and mighty God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? He is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Pastor Brandon quoted John 3.16, but I love John 3.17. He did not send him into this world to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. He didn't save you now to neglect you later. Perfect peace is he who is mine has stayed upon the Lord, for he shall trust in him. God has not forgotten you, and God has not forsaken you. I don't know what your life is like right now, but I'm here to tell you that God wants to touch you where you sit. God, See, God never reached down and told me to get better, and he would touch me. He found me when I was lost, and he touched me there. He found me when I was hurting, and he touched me there. He found me when I was sick, and he touched me there. He didn't ever ask me to get better. He just said, come with me and let me take care of this. And all of a sudden, God began to do great and mighty miracles in my life. I don't know where you're at tonight, but I'm here to tell you that God cares about you and is reaching down from heaven onto earth to touch you right here and right now. I'm ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes.